Hiya, welcome to another episode of Dark and Spooky, a horror podcast with me, your host, Miss Dark and Spooky, aka The Girl Next Door. So, how the devil are we all? If I've pl- done my planning correctly, this episode should be out towards the end of January. So, did we all have a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year? Are we all back into a routine now with the kids back at school? Hope you're all well and enjoyed the Unsolved Mysteries series that would have just finished. Let me know your thoughts on that. But today's episode, we're going back to the stories. So are we ready to dive in? Let's go. sister's bike and pedalled towards his friend's house. As he turned down the lonely side street skirting the woods that he and his friend used as a shortcut through town, Jacob shucked off the creepy feeling that someone was watching him as he neared the darkest part of the street and he sped through as fast as he could. He arrived at the party and stayed until 10pm. On the way home, Jacob considered not using the shortcut, but he needed to study for a math test and want to get home as fast as possible. He started down the narrow lane when he noticed someone was in the middle of the street. It must be some kid from the party taking the shortcut home. Jacob slowed down as he drew closer. The figure turned around. An ugly, twisted, gnarly face glared at him. Jacob slammed on his brakes, intent on turning round, 
when a heavy chain rattled through the air. He turned just as the chain slammed into his head, wrapping around his neck. Got you, the wicked voice boomed as Jacob felt himself falling to the ground. The macabre beam stood over him with blood dripping from its lips. Thought you'd never come back this way, boy. Glad you decided to take the shortcut home. Jacob's sister's bike was found in the middle of a side street. Authorities determined that the killer dragged Jacob's body off the floor, leaving two parallel lines that led straight to Jacob's body. The police discovered Jacob's body drained of all its blood only a few feet from the street. His killer was dubbed the Halloween Vampire. And to this day, no one travels down that side street, especially at night. especially when I'm at work. I came home a few times to see my curtains ripped up or all the toilet paper in shreds. The last straw was when I came home after working late to find we had clawed a hole the size of a dinner plate in the side of the sofa. I decided I had to do something. I tried different toys, even catnip, but nothing worked. One night, whilst browsing Amazon, I saw a pet camera. It's a tiny camera that records your pet on a live feed so you can monitor their behaviour while you're away. It even had an audio function so you can talk to them. Sounded a bit silly but I loved my dude so I brought it. I got overnight shipping and installed it immediately. I decided to set it up in my bedroom as that was where Rook dwelled most. My first day at work I think I checked that camera 30 times. When I spoke into the microphone Rook seemed to be happier and I noticed there was no destruction around the house either. By day four, I figured I'd solved the problem with Rook, but that leads me to now. About 30 minutes ago, I climbed in bed with Rook, ready to close my eyes when my phone buzzed, a notification from the pet cam. I almost ignored it. Sure, it was me triggering the thing, but I opened it anyway. What I saw made my grip tight and unfurl. Instead of a video of myself in bed, I saw a man. Tall, gangly, with pale skin and large eyes. He was moving into my room like a sinking cartoon character. He got right up to the lens, so close I could smell his rotten breath, and he smiled. I immediately paused the video, terrified, and looked at the spot where the man should have been standing, but there was no one there. I went onto Amazon and found the pet cam and read the reviews, hoping for some weird glitch. It had to be a joke, right? 
The first dozen reviews were pretty standard, but it was the last that caused me to bolt right up. A customer complained that the camera was on a time delay, sometimes as much as 15 minutes. I went back to the video and pressed play with shaky fingers. I watched in horror as the man slithered under my bed, giving the camera a wink before disappearing in the darkness. Then I saw myself enter the room and climb in bed before the video ended. Now I'm sitting in my bed knowing he's under it. I could call the police, but I doubt I have time. So please, do yourselves a favour and read the reviews. tests showed no abnormalities except for her skull x-ray missing her eye socket. The doctors were speechless. Iris adjusted to her new life, slowly. She took a break from school. Actually, she was always strange prior to this incident. First, she's ten, but could only speak no more than two words per sentence. Isaac, hungry. She never showed emotions. I thought she would stop drawing flowers on everything after the incident. It just got more squiggly. One day she drew something different. No more flowers, but eyes. On desks, walls, eyes everywhere. Cleaning them every day got tiring. Every time Mum tried to make her draw only in paper, Iris threw a tantrum. She mentioned seeing with those eyes, I suspected. She began to repeat, Mum fell. I didn't understand it first. Then she drew lots of eyes, mostly at the stairs. Mum fell. And weeks later, Mum fell down that very flight of stairs. Since Mum's hospitalised, I had to take care of Iris alone. I took all her art supplies. Her mood got worse every day. One time when I came back from school, the living room was coated in eyes painted by ketchup. But the worst of all, she began mumbling words you shouldn't be hearing from your own family. Isaac, dead. I was reaching the limit with this girl. I planned to wait until mum came back. Right now, I would let her say whatever she wanted. One night, I bought a lamp. A UV lamp, specifically. You know, for a party next week. These kind of lamp reveal stains on your walls. I regretted my curiosity. Eyes. Eyes covered every single square inch of my house, written by some sort of invisible ink. Iris! Damn you! Then she was there, shrouded in darkness. A UV pen, however... As she stepped into the living room, the black light shone on her, revealing eyes, dozens of them, drawn all over her body. They shimmered, especially the largest one on her forehead. Isaac, dead. Isaac, dead. 
Isaac, dead. She sprinted on to me, screaming, running across hundreds of glowing eyes in the room, pushing me over the couch. I tried to run, but she grabbed my ankle. I fell. Isaac, dead. Isaac, dead. You, you monster, let me go. I looked at her. The eyes on her were brighter and brighter. And then the whole room was lit, followed by a loud bang. Iris still pushed me down. I turned my head. Half of the living room was destroyed. As the dust cleared, something large in the middle of the room. It was a truck crashing through the front door right where I was standing before. Then my face fell to splat. Clear water dripped from each of the painted eyes on Iris. Her voice trembled repeatedly. Isaac, safe? can't run then walk if you can't walk then crawl but whatever you do don't stop it's only been an hour since everyone on earth as far as I could tell heard those same words I was already walking through the park when I heard them and after seeing what happens I won't be stopping anytime soon it's been two hours now I've kept walking I'm tired but stopping isn't an option some people try driving, but the act of getting in a car requires stopping, even for the briefest moment. And as those already driving when they heard the rules soon found out, it's impossible to move indefinitely in a vehicle, especially in a crowded city. Their screams kept me moving. It's been four hours now and I'm exhausted, with the only thing pushing me forward being the fear of what awaits when I stop. And yes, I mean, when, proven by plenty of those around me, eventually I'll have to stop. Some have just given up accepting their fate only to immediately regret the decision. Some just couldn't take the screams anymore and most simply don't see the point of continuing. And with every step, I'm starting to become more like the latter. It's been about six hours and for the first time I saw what happens up close. I was walking aimlessly down an alley, trying to get away from the madness, when I saw a young man, no more than 16, crying. It didn't even register at first to me until he made eye contact with me. He had stopped moving. His eyes were bloodshot, and not just whites around his pupils, I mean the entirety of his eyes were crimson red. Black tears streamed down his expressionless face, and then he smiled. I'd wide toothy smile that would have screamed with joy if it wasn't followed by the animalistic screams that would give the biggest horror fanatic nightmares. I wish I could say witnessing his dying moments was the most horrific thing to happen to me today. But then it hit me. The realisation that I had stopped moving.
went to a hotel and walked up to the front desk to check in. The woman at the desk gave him his key and told him that on the way to his room there was a door with no number that was locked and no one was allowed in there. She explained that it was a storeroom and that it was out of bounds. She reminded him of this several times before allowing him upstairs. So he followed the instructions of the woman at the front desk going straight to his room and going to bed. However, the insistency of the woman piqued his curiosity, so the next night he walked down the hall to the door and tried the handle. Sure enough, it was locked. He bent down and looked through the wide keyhole. Cold air passed through it, chilling his eye. What he saw was a hotel bedroom, like his, and in the corner was a woman whose skin was incredibly pale. She was leaning her head against the wall, facing away from the door. He stared in confusion for a while. Was this a celebrity? The owner's daughter? He almost knocked on the door out of curiosity, but decided not to. As he was still looking, the woman turned sharply and he jumped back from the door, hoping she would not suspect he had been spying on her. He crept away from the door and walked back to his room. The next day, he returned to the door and looked through the wide keyhole. This time, all he saw was redness. He couldn't make anything out beside a distinct red colour, unmoving. Perhaps the inhabitants of the room knew he was spying the night before and blocked the keyhole with something red. He felt embarrassed that he'd made the woman so uncomfortable and hoped she had not made a complaint with the woman on the front desk. At this point, he decided to consult her for more information. After some gentle quizzing and the promise that the explanation would go no further than him, she finally said, well, I might as well tell you the story of what happened in that room. A long time ago, a man murdered his wife in there. We find that even now, people get uncomfortable staying there. But these people were not ordinary. They were white all over, except for their eyes, which were red. She was a jazz vocalist, but her main interest was opera. We had a small room on the sixth floor of a dormitory called Juniper Hall. The walls were thin and her last night singing and voice practice would keep me up late. After a month or so of lost sleep, I convinced her to move her late night practices to the music studios in the Marina Theatre building a block away. Around eight one evening, Cara announced that she would be practising late for an upcoming recital and probably wouldn't be home until around midnight. Great, I thought. That means I can go to bed early. I was beat and I had a horrible day in acting studio and was ready to pass out as soon as I had dinner. She said goodnight and left, coffee and sheet music in hand. I made some grilled cheese and soup, gobbled it down and immediately began to prepare for bed. By the time I got out of the shower, my eyelids were so heavy I could hardly brush my teeth. I pulled on my PJs and crawled into the top bunk of our bunk bed. 
I was out as soon as my head hit the pillow. I should take a second to describe the layout of our apartment. When entering the apartment, the bedroom was through a door immediately to the left. Our bathroom was inside the bedroom, just past the bunk beds. Anyway, I woke up to the sound of the apartment door closing. I opened my eyes and groggily checked my phone. Midnight on the dot. I rolled back over and closed my eyes. I heard Cara enter the room and stop in front of the bunk bed. Checking to see if I'm actually asleep, I thought. She flopped down on the bed below me, which was strange as she was a stickler for brushing her teeth and washing butt before bed. Then again, exams were just round the corner and we were all exhausted. The mattress below me creaked and then was silent. I couldn't even hear her breathing. I started to drift off again. I was just on the edge of a deep sleep when I startled awake again by a noise. A key in the lock, the door opening, and Kara entering our apartment humming an opera tune. The mattress below me creaked. sunny day if memory serves, surprisingly warm for before the beginning of spring. The beautiful weather was perfect for the atmosphere of the day. Being married for 20 years is obviously a very special occasion, so my parents had booked the table at our favourite Italian restaurant. Of course this was a formal occasion so I had my best suit on. It was 5.33 and I was just straightening my tie when my phone went off. I had received a message. That's strange, I thought. That never happens. I checked the message, and it was from my mum. It was quite a jumble of numbers and letters, but through the vocabulary of Stu, I could make out the legible phrase, please help me. It should go without saying that this worried me greatly, so I immediately replied, are you okay? Just as instantly, I got another text, which read, oops, pocket text. I sighed with all the relief I had and continued to prepare myself. A few minutes later, I received yet another message, this time from my dad. I checked the text and once again it was a massive mixture of letters and numbers with the phrase, please help me, concealed within it. People of me though, this was my dad always as a joker, so I presumed he was just joking around until I was sent another text saying, oops, pocket text. Now this sparked panic, pure and unmistakable panic. Exactly half a minute passed when I received the exact same message from my sister. This could not be coincidental, it just couldn't. In a state of sheer anxiety, I started to run to the restaurant. I made it about a quarter of the way before I was stopped by a police officer. Main roads closed, he said, huge car crash. This was the exact moment I realised just what had happened. I demanded to see the wreckage. A request I'm surprised was allowed. When I got there, it wasn't the remnants of the car that caught my eye. 
not the flaming billion from the destroyed vehicle. No, I was horrified to see the lifeless corpses of my mother, father and sister. I asked for the estimated time of their death. All three of them were killed instantly by the collision at 5.32. Most often we'd pass toys, clothes and skin conditions between us. Up until he was six, we even shared a bed. Neither of us was happy about that. It was my 10th birthday when then that changed. I got one present that year and it was a bed of my own. Ollie was jealous right away and I could understand why. He had to keep that half broken down frame with the worn out mattress. The one I'd gotten wasn't much better but not being broken and worn was enough. Sleeping apart was a great feeling. It was freedom. No longer would I have to suffer the sudden kicks to the stomach. No longer would I wake up with all his foot pressed into my neck like he'd stepped on Dracula the night before. At least that's what I thought. Right away, right after I got the new bed, the streak started. At first, I thought Ollie woke up in the middle of the night and screamed because he had gotten scared. Then the sound echoed through the tiny room again, and I knew it wasn't a normal cry. The room was always black as pitch after the sunset. The one window we had was pressed against a long leaf pine, and even the brightest, biggest mini cast no light through inside. The street just about drove me crazy. Every night, probably at the same, exactly the same time, these sharp yelps would knock me right out of my dreams. It wasn't my mum or dad yelling either. I knew what that sounded like, believe me. Most worryingly of all was the fact that I could never tell where it was coming from. It seemed completely random. One night, it came from somewhere near the closet. The next, it would shoot out from the corner of the ceiling. Any hope I had of having my own space would get dashed every time as Ollie would silently slip into the bed with me, shaking like crazy. He'd clasp onto me and wouldn't let go until it was almost daybreak. Most times I'd take his hand and tell him everything was going to be okay, that it'd be over by morning, but I was never really sure. Over time the shriek started changing. At first it was only by small degrees but eventually took on a primal heating sound of a primate calling out its fierce warnings. I had to collapse pillows to my ears just to keep from going deaf. Mum and Dad never believed me, or Ollie, basically because the thing, whatever it was, refused to make a peep when they were in the room. Apparently they couldn't even hear it through the walls even though it was damn sure loud enough. The shriek just got worse and worse until I felt like I couldn't take it anymore. Me and Ollie were doing really bad in school and we just had no energy at all. I could sleep more deeply with my head propped up and eyes open in the middle of class than in my own room at night. Then thankfully we moved out of the house nearly a year later. I had contemplated all sorts of things, even a child's clumsy concept of suicide to get away from the horrific nightly noise. There was no problem at the next house. 
It was a nice white cookie cutter home on a dead end street and I welcomed the mum Elsie. What's more, when we moved in, there was a bunk bed waiting for me and Ollie. No more broken bed, no more second bed I ended up having to share anyway. The only problem was deciding who'd get the top bunk. I told Ollie I deserved it after all I'd gotten a new bed way back and he ruined it by climbing in every night. What? He shook his head. I never did that. I had always wondered why the noise stopped the second I was sharing my bed. Now I had the answer. If you have liked it, please do give me a follow on whatever platform you listen to your podcasts on. And if you can, please also give me a rating and a review. It will really help the podcast be seen by more people. Also, if you don't already follow me on social media, I am on Instagram and Facebook under the same name, dark underscore and underscore spooky 666. Also, if you want to see the face behind the name and bits of my everyday life, my personal Instagram is melj underscore 0777. If you have any of your own stories or ghost experiences you want to share for me to read out, you can email me at darkandspooky13 at gmail.com. They can be anonymous as well if you prefer. The Grim Readers Book Club is available to join and the link is in the show notes. But what it will be is we'll be meeting up up to three times a week, 8 till 10pm UK time, reading the same book over Google Meet. I do ask for cameras on so that we can all get to know each other as we will all be participating with it as well so it'll just be a bit easier. You will join a private Facebook group where we can pick future titles and talk all things horror and paranormal. And all that is just for £6.66 a month. Just go and give yourself a nut a present. All that's left to say is stay spooky and I'll see you on the next one.